0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 2168. Deleted scenes from The Phantom Menace. That's what a lot of the final third of Queen's Peril feels like, but there is a significant addition to the story, which we will talk about today. Punch it! Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, in the original novel, if you will, Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston, there is a reference to the fact that one of Padme's handmaidens, Sache, S-A-C-H-E with an apostrophe over the E. My apologies if I'm getting the pronunciation wrong. Uh, So, Sache apparently had been tortured while she was in the custody of the Trade Federation and of the droids during The Phantom Menace. There is an allusion to that in Queen's Shadow. Well, Queen's Peril actually tells us the story of what happened in the camps, specifically Camp 4. If you remember in The Phantom Menace, many of the folks from Theed Palace were taken to Camp 4 for processing. That's where the Trade Federation had set up shop and were holding prisoners. Also... Uh, Captain Typho, who we meet later on in Attack of the Clones, was in Camp 3 as it turned out, but that's a bit of an aside. Camp 4 is where uh, Sayo Bibble was and where the two handmaidens, Yane and Sache were as well as Captain Panaka's. Wife, who is also part of the command and security structure for the royal situation on Naboo. But once the handmaidens and the guards and the security forces were in the camp, they didn't just sit idle. They tried to do what they could to figure out how they were going to break out of the camp if it came to that, if they had the opportunity to do so. And among other activities, that meant scouting the camp, so, you know, getting the layout of the camp, and observing the droid patrols, seeing, you know, how many, and when, and where, and all that stuff. And they developed a unique code system that involved weaving patches of silk in different colors together, and I won't go into the whole details of it, or how it's explained, but basically it was a code that the droids would not be able to break. However, one too many scouting situations, and Sachet was caught and taken into custody by the droids and she tried to say I don't know there's so many adults in there because she's younger she's 12 years old I don't you know I don't recognize people because they're all in uniforms I don't know who's who and you know there somebody gave this to me to walk around with I don't know but unfortunately for her that was not good enough for the trade federation and they had built an interrogation space inside camp 4 And Sashay became the test subject for that interrogation room. And there's a really compelling scene where people are gathering within earshot of her being tortured. And there's a discussion about whether anyone should turn themselves in to try to save Sashay the pain from going through this. And Yane says, you know, we're not going to unmake her decision for her. Either she's going to tell people what they want to hear or not and it's a pretty powerful thing especially when she slips into the queen's voice doing it because of course this is one of the things that the handmaidens have been up to is all manufacturing the same voice that they could use together so when they swap out roles everybody snaps to attention once that queen's voice comes into play. So there's a good chunk of this final third of the novel that takes place in Camp 4, and it ends when Panaka shows up to find out what's going on and see who he can recruit to come to the fight along with the Gungans and what little security forces they have, and also, of course, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn, right? And so they are able to get uh, the two handmaidens, Yane and Sashe out and some pilots out, and you know that's what they get for the security force for all intents and purposes. So aside from that major addition to the story of the phantom menace with everything going on in camp 4, there are other scenes in this section of the book that basically you know, are one of two types. One of those types is of characters and what is going on with them sort of in their minds, or things that have been happening off-camera, for example. And Darth Maul, that's an example of one of them, where we get to see him pacing around Theed Palace while he's waiting for the battle to come to him. And the exciting notion about that is that he actually saw the place where ultimately Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon would get separated from each other and he would be able to battle them one-on-one. And you get the idea that Darth Maul actually thought very carefully about how a battle with Jedi was going to unfold in this section of the palace. And so it wasn't just random that they ended up where they ended up, but it may have actually been part of Maul's planning. There's also a scene with Jar Jar where we find out that it's only very recently that he's been kicked out of Odogunga. And we also find out that it's only been a week, actually eight days, when The Phantom Menace begins, that the blockade has been in place. So it's on the eighth day that Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn show up to try to end the blockade situation. And we find out a little bit about what's going on and about the fact that, you know, they don't have a lot of food on the planet and weren't prepared for this kind of emergency. And the other kind of you know deleted scenish aspect to things has to do with character arcs, particularly with Sabé, who is the primary handmaiden, if you will. She's the one who was first selected. She's the one who has developed the closest relationship to Padmé. She is the one who is most likely to stand in for the queen under you know any particular circumstances where it's necessary for her to do so. And we find out about her backstory about how she was a musician, but was never good enough to be co- considered a first chair musician, that she was always second best. And there is, you know, some psychological stuff to this about you know, how she behaves and how she acts and how she feels about, you know, being thrust into the role of acting as queen. And this plays out with ramifications when she has to try to impersonate the Queen while negotiating with Boss Nass, and later when she impersonates the Queen and confronts Newt Gunray just outside the throne room, and that actually ends up completing the arc in a very satisfying way. And so that's a sampling of the deleted scenes, if you will, from The Phantom Menace that appear in the back third of Queen's Peril. And that's going to be it for the show as well today. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. Please keep yourselves and your loved ones and your communities safe and healthy. Remember that Black Lives Matter. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be